Oh, hold on, I've got to put my glasses on. I've had cataracts off. Um, well, today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 to 37, and reading from the New English Version. Jesus honours a Syrophoenician woman. A woman. He'd left the previous place and went to the city of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about it, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Cyrene, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the city of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, and then he spit and touched the man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epaphatha, which means, be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Well, let me invite Lauren to uh, share God's word with us this morning. Yeah, thanks. Father, open our hearts even as we, and open our ears as we hear your word through Lauren. Speak through her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Yes. Um, okay, so I know you've already turned to a neighbor and said hello, but now I'd love it if you turn to a neighbor and ask something you'd like prayer for this week. Something a little bit different, but I always think it's really nice and comforting just to know that someone is thinking of you and praying for you through the week. So I'm going to give you a few seconds and go for it.
Alrighty, I want you to remember what you guys are talking about, what they like prayer for for the week, and just hold it in your hearts and on your mind through the week. Um, so welcome to everyone watching online, and if you haven't been to the Villa Bong before, hello. My name's Lauren, I intern here, and I have the pleasure of speaking to you today. Um, so last week, we had the great joy of hearing from Andrew, who shared on what it is that makes us unclean, and it's about what goes into what comes out of us more than what goes into us. So it was a great sermon. If you missed it, you should definitely check it out online. I'm following straight on today from Andrew's passages, um, and I'm taking us to the end of Mark chapter 7. Um, so the first time I read through these passages, I was a little bit confused by what was actually happening. Like, did Jesus actually just call a woman a dog? Yeah, <laughs> he pretty much did. Um, so we have two stories that we're going to be looking at today, and there is actually a connection between the two that we'll find out as we go. So as we start with the story of how Jesus honors the Syrian nation's faith, I was, yet yeah, again, very confused, and I have a habit of digging straight into the context, but then I find it kind of hard to come back out and have like a clear view of like what's actually happened. Um, but essentially, today we're going to start in the context because I found it really interesting and I think you might enjoy it too. So Jesus was trying to go by unnoticed, which we know must have been pretty much impossible at this point. Um, it was still a short time after the death of John the Baptist and there, it was one of very few, if not the only trip he actually took outside of Israel. Um, there are still so many laws and regulations in place and the culture and it's, there's quite a profound gap between the Jews and the Gentiles, and that's more of like a social hierarchy almost. But something that was really emphasized in it um, is that the Israelites are still God's chosen people, meaning that even though there is a gap, it's still following that sort of Jews first, then the Gentiles that we see in books like Romans and everything else throughout the Bible too. Can you hear me? Yes? Okay, cool. Sorry, it keeps on falling down. Um, yeah, so but when Jesus actually responds to this woman with what is actually humility and kindness, although it may not come out like that at first, he's starting to break the gap between the two groups. So in case you weren't aware, we are actually the Gentiles today. So it would be highly unlikely or very unusual for someone like Jesus and the, um, and the Pharisees and everyone to actually be talking to us today and to help us. Now, this woman probably hasn't heard the message of the Hebrew Scriptures, and she probably doesn't know that Jesus is the chosen one. But what she does know is that Jesus is capable of healing her daughter. She knows because she's heard all the stories, all the rumours, everything. But what I wanted to focus on is the dialogue between Jesus and the woman. She came and she fell at his feet. She was begging for Jesus to save her daughter. And Jesus' response at first glance is comparing her to a dog and sending her on her way. But what Jesus is actually saying is a really clever way of putting it like this. It's just not your turn yet. So when Jesus says, first let the children eat all they want, it's not right to feed the children's bread to the dogs. He's making reference to the Jews being God's chosen people. So in this time, the Old Testament scriptures, um, the old ancient Hebrew scriptures, were still widely given through stories and verbal traditions. So it was highly unlikely that the Gentile woman and many others like her would know the significance of Jesus actually being on earth and what it really meant for the world. They might not know what his purpose is here or who he actually is. 
So her faith in Jesus may not have quite extended to God the Father yet, but she knew in her heart that he could still help her. So she didn't back down. She didn't run away. She wasn't offended. She stood her ground and she cleverly fought back. She said, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs, meaning that they eat at the same time. Not one before the other, not the Jews before the Gentiles, not anymore. The Jews have been God's chosen people, but she knew that the message was meant for everyone, the way we know it today, but it hasn't always felt like that. But then Jesus responds by saying, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Done. Just like that. I still find that incredible. Um, But Jesus was testing her by asking something that she may not have understood. But the purpose behind the comparison to a common house dog was actually to give her the opportunity for like a renewed appeal. The woman understood this and she didn't take it as an insult but a challenge to prove her faith and her humility. And she placed herself under Jesus' mercy and his lordship. If you're still looking for an example of what it looks like to live like Jesus... Why not look here? She humbled herself with a gentle confidence and unwavering faith. Jesus didn't come for himself. Neither did this woman. He came so that we may benefit from what he would do for us. This woman was able to put herself out there, to be criticized, to be mocked, to feel unsettled. And she did it all so she could help someone else, her daughter. In Matthew's account of the story, the disciples actually tried to send her away. She was just a Gentile, and she was pretty much in their way. So when she could have gotten angry or walked away, which most of us would have probably done, just saying, she actually remained humble. Can we go to the next slide? Yeah. She remained humble when people were sending her away. She remained humble again when Jesus compared her to a dog under a table just looking for scraps. And a third time when she accepts her background, accepts that the blessing hasn't quite extended to her yet. But she proves that she is everything Jesus wanted her to be. She doesn't have the status, so she probably shouldn't be able to come and ask for a blessing. But she does. She wasn't worthy, but she was rewarded. Let's think about it this way. We come to God as his enemies because of our sin on earth but we are constantly welcomed in as his family. But when we come with boldness and humility, we can see a shift in the relationship. When we approach God, we do it as people who are unworthy, who have sinful hearts, um, people who don't know the big picture, but despite it all, God still loves us and he still wants to welcome us into his family. He makes us worthy to approach him as children. In Tim Keller's book on prayer, he asks this question, and you may have heard it here before. Who would dare to wake up a king in the middle of the night for a glass of water? Only the king's child. We have this kind of access to God. We just need to be bold enough to ask for it and to say, maybe you'll treat me like a child. Because if we just approach God as a father, we turn into arrogant, annoying children just like nipping at his heels, just saying, thinking that somehow we deserve it. 
but we don't. And if we come to God as king only, we'll be scared and that relationship will never flourish or it will never deepen. After all, you wouldn't ask the king for a glass of water, would you? You'd be the one serving him, which we do as well. But it's a different kind of mindset. We don't come to God as one who thinks we deserve it or we're scared of it. We need to have that balance of boldness and humility. When the woman approaches Jesus with a humble heart, knowing she isn't worthy and the boldness to ask for the blessing, this is when we see a shift in the relationship. So like this woman in the passage, we need to come from that place of both boldness and humility, appealing to God as the father and king. While we're part of the kingdom of God, we're also connected to the family. This is the joy of knowing God and being in relationship with him and one another. So when Jesus is testing this woman, she knows she's unworthy, but she asks, would you please treat me like your child? A friend of mine posted something on Facebook um, about a week ago when I was preparing and praying for the sermon, and it actually really got to me, so I thought I'd share a bit about it today. They said, why do Christians think they're above everyone else and always think they're right? Why do they always try and push their beliefs on us? And this alone made me feel queasy, but in the comments, someone else had written, if only there was a religion that included everyone. Maybe I could get on board with that. So when I was reading this and I was thinking about the woman in the story, I thought about how maybe she didn't feel like this was her thing. Maybe she felt a bit uncomfortable asking Jesus for help. Maybe she knew in her heart, though, that there was actually something real here. And maybe that's what it's like for people today that don't have a personal experience with Jesus. They know there's something real, but they don't know how to go and ask for it or find it. That's why we're in community. But when I hear the world talk about the Christianity today, I just don't think they realize that what they're looking for is already here. There's something bigger than us in it, and Jesus loves us all deeply, but... We also do need to remember time to time that some people simply have hard hearts. And sometimes people don't feel valued or accepted or they don't feel loved. And maybe that is because their hearts are hard, but maybe it's because no one shared the message with them yet. But I love Christianity so much and I'm so thankful to have grown up in this church because I know that God loves me. I know that I'm not worthy of God's love, but I know that he will always love me anyway because we are all included in that blessing, all of us, everyone in this room and everyone outside of this room. I know this. I know that, but does the person sitting next to me know that? Do they know they have a father that loves them so deeply that they can come with all their baggage, all their pain, all their suffering, and lay it down at his feet? But he's also one with great authority and power. He is a king above all things. So we need to come with him, to him with boldness and humility and hearts ready to listen. It's how I think about how you position yourself before God. Is he your king and your father? Has it always been more one way than the other? Do you approach him with some kind of fear or is it more the other way? <laughs> What's your prayer life like? How did you come to church this morning? Were you ready to hear? Were you ready to listen? Ready to just surrender it all and say, I'm here? 
We're going to look at the second passage and then link them at the end. Um, so in this passage, Jesus heals a man who has developed tongue convulsions, which has also moved through his face. It would make it extremely difficult to talk, if not impossible. And he was also deaf. So it's thought that this man actually had a disease later in his life that caused him to be this way because we know that he wasn't always like this. So his friends had brought him to Jesus and begged him to put his hands on the man because they knew that he could heal him. But again, Jesus was trying to go by unnoticed. So he took the man away from the crowds and healed him by spitting on his tongue, sticking his fingers in his ears and whispering, Epaphatha. <laughs> I tried, um, which means be opened. Um, at this moment, his ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak clearly. Jesus then asked the group to keep it a secret, but they immediately left, and they started telling everyone they knew about the healing that had just happened. But in that excitement, again, they started to separate Jesus, the person, and the miracle itself that just took place. So there are so many theories that follow this passage about how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies in Isaiah 35 by touching the ears to open them and loosening the tongue to sing for joy. But there are also so many other things that we can take from this passage. Jesus doesn't want us to follow him because we know he can perform miracles and he did all these cool things. We, he wants people to understand what the miracles mean, who he is and how he will change our lives. So what you may have already picked up on is that both of the stories are about healing but it's also about community and about friends because neither of the people that received healing came to Jesus themselves maybe it's because they couldn't but also people came and asked for help on their behalf and when we bring people to Jesus like this we're asking for their bonds to be broken and for them to open up and to see him for who he really is not just to heal them, not just any surface level things, to actually open them up and to let God say, this is who I am. We all need to be connected in community when we can't come to God ourselves. The people around us can help us when we don't know that we need a push or a gentle nudge or just you know, full-on kick in the right direction. People around us in the community that we're in this was given by God too, and I'm so thankful for that. And we do need people to bring us to Jesus when we lose sight of him ourselves. So why did the man go to Jesus? He came for our ears to be opened. And why do we need to come to Jesus? We need to be open to what he has to say. When we come with boldness and humility, we're prepared to listen. So we all tend to approach God a little more one way or the other, as a loving, gracious father or as a great, powerful Lord and King. But with a one-side vision of God as father, a boldness can become arrogance and entitlement. But if we come the other way around, it starts to turn into fear and like a caution around God, which isn't healthy either. So we need to help each other to see God as he truly is and sharing our experience and leading each other to the person of Jesus as well. Why do we actually gather on a Sunday morning? 
We need to be connected in community we, to really hear God and for us to take a step back and let him say, this is who I am. So as we're about to head into another time of worship, it's my prayer that we can reflect on our personal relationships with God. Think about which side you sway on or, or if your relationship with God is amazing, then props to you, that's great. But think about our community as well. If you know someone that's been struggling, if someone needs prayer, if someone needs support, that's why we're in this community to help each other. And I believe we're great at it, but there's always more people that need help and support and prayer. So as we pray, we're going to pray with humility and boldness. And we're going to ask that he may treat us as his children, although we know that we're not always worthy. So the team wants to come up, we're going to pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for this morning. I want to thank you that we can come to you, Lord, and praise you and worship you and spend time in your word and coming to know more about who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that as we come together, both in humility and in boldness, Lord, that we will be centered in your love always because we know that you're a good God that loves us through and through. And I also just pray that you will be looking out for us, Lord, and looking out for how we love each other, Lord. I pray that we'll be bold enough to grow and stand with each other and just to talk to one another and come closer to you, Lord. I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. And we bring it to your name. Amen.